You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Good morning. My name is Ricky, and uh, one more reminder for you all. Next Sunday, 10 a.m., one service out back. So if it's going to rain, we'll let you know by like Saturday that we're back to the normal plan. So, um, but unless you hear otherwise, 10 o'clock, it's going to be on the back lawn. Bring a lawn chair if you have one, a camping chair, something to sit on, a blanket if you prefer. We'll have a, we'll have a, a pile of chairs out there for you guys to use as well, but they get, they get gone pretty quick. So if you have a chair, bring one. If you have a chair at home and you just don't want to bring it because you're thinking there'll be some there, bring it for those who don't have one at home to bring. And uh, so bring a camping chair next Sunday, 10 o'clock, out back. It's going to be nice, I think. Well, good morning again. My name is Ricky. Grateful to be here this morning with you all and getting to begin our study through the book of Titus this morning. I'm going to be introducing the letter of Titus to you this morning by looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And I am so thankful that Pastor Brad has invited me to participate in this study. He's invited me to help preach through uh, this series of Titus over the next seven weeks or so. So if you haven't already, feel free to go out and grab a Titus scripture journal. I just threw some pins on the table out there as well. Uh, You can go now if you want. It's not gonna bother me if you want one. Now's the chance. Go grab it. Uh, I don't think there's gonna be many left for second service. So get them while you can. Snooze, you lose. They left to order more for those guys. But they're on the table out there and there's some pins. Feel free to grab one and you can jot along notes as we go through Titus over this next seven weeks or so. You guys might have to fight for them. I don't know if there's that many. So we'll see. We'll see how many come back in. You guys want me to tell a joke while we're waiting on them? Yeah. What'd you say, Miss Linda? Yes, they are. I'm used to it. That's okay. Not really. All right. We see the winners coming back in with journals, so the fast ones. So yes, we'll, we'll order some more, though. So if you don't get a journal this week, just uh, jot down some notes, and then you can transfer them next week or how, however you want to do that. So uh, we'll get some more for you, Lord willing, before this next, uh, this next Sunday. So let me tell you a bit about the book of Titus. I did know a kid named Titus one time. His name was Titus Fuller. He was from Atlanta, Georgia. But we're not talking about that Titus. That's the only other Titus I've ever met in uh, in my life. But we're talking about Titus, of course, that you find in the back of your Bible after the book of 2 Timothy. Titus is considered a pastoral epistle, along with 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And this is called a pastoral epistle because Titus, he has pastoral responsibilities. And Paul, he's written a letter to Titus, and he's given Titus directions pertaining to his pastoral responsibilities. Evidently, if we read through Titus, you're going to see that Titus, well, he was left behind by Paul. You see, Paul, on purpose, not accidentally, on purpose, he was left behind on the island of Crete. Paul evidently went through Crete, and he was preaching on a missionary journey, and then he left Titus behind to establish churches with the new converts who had come to know the Lord. It's believed that Titus, this book was written, this letter was written around the mid-60s, about the same time as 1 Timothy. There's no mention of Titus if you look through the book of Acts, Um, nor is there mention of a stop in Crete if you look through the book of Acts. However, they do skirt alongside of Crete, you'll see in Acts. But just because it's not mentioned in Acts doesn't mean that Paul, of course, doesn't mean he didn't go to to Acts. Um, There are other letters where Timothy is mentioned where where Titus is mentioned, where, where Crete is mentioned. And you guys are going to be exploring in home group this week uh, where Titus is mentioned in other places throughout Scripture. So there's going to be a, a, a lot to help you understand more fuller the book of Titus more fully this week in, in home group. Well, Paul wrote this letter, we believe, sometime between his imprisonments. His first imprisonment, his uh, second 
imprisonment that eventually led to his death. And you're going to see next week, again, as Pastor Brad picks up with verse 5, you're going to see why Paul left Titus behind in Crete. Paul left Titus so that Titus can make sure that, that churches are properly established. You see, a properly established church, it needs properly established leadership so that the leadership in the church, we'll see in verse 9 next week, not my text, so I'll try to stay off of it, uh, that, well, leadership's needed so that instruction can be given, instruction for sound doctrine, as well as those who contradict the sound doctrine, they can be rebuked. That's why you need proper leadership in a church. Well, here's the occasion of the letter. Why is it that Paul is writing this letter to Titus? Is this, Paul knew that there was false teaching in the Cretan churches already, and that's why proper leadership was needed to rebuke the false teachers and teach sound doctrine so that people could grow in the knowledge of God and live godly lives. Now, don't feel like you have to jot all that down really quick. I put some things up on the screen uh, just so to help. for me, I need to read it, hear it, and many other things. So maybe it'll help some of you. Well, Paul's purpose, though, in writing this letter is this. It's to give Titus instructions on in how to protect the teaching of the churches. Got to protect the teaching of the churches through the leadership of the churches so that the believers within those churches would know how to live godly lives. I'll say it again. Paul's purpose in writing this letter to Titus is to give instructions on how to protect the teaching of the churches through the leadership of the churches so that the believers in those churches will know how to live godly lives, specifically how to interact with one another and how to interact with the world. Essentially, Paul is saying this to Titus. He's saying, Titus, the message makes all the difference. Titus, I want you to know the message makes all the difference. So Paul's saying, Titus, I want you to be sure to guard the message. Titus, I want you to preach the message so that the people can hear the message and they can believe the message and therefore they can then live out the message. Paul is saying to Titus, the message matters. The message makes all the difference. Well, you might be asking, well, what is this message that Titus is receiving, that Titus has received, that Paul knows about I want to turn our attention to the chapter 2 of Titus, verses 11 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. The message that Titus is to protect, to preach, so the people will believe is the message of the grace of God, that salvation has appeared for all people. That's the message. And it's clearly a message of good news. Clearly, it is a gospel message, the message of the grace of God. And not only does the grace of God bring about people to salvation, it also brings about good works in those who believe. This is a good message. The grace of God, it not, only say, it not only saves us, but the grace of God is also what sanctifies us. The grace of God is what, it's what makes us godly. Paul's saying, Titus, I want you to know that the message makes all the difference. And the message that Titus is to protect, the message that he's to proclaim in the churches of Crete so that they can hear and believe is the message the grace of God. And we're going to think more on this in about four weeks whenever we get to chapter two and we look at verses 11 through 15. But for this morning, before we get further into the book of Titus, of talking about it, we need to read the first 
four verses. And that's going to be our text for this morning. Some introductions have to be made. So I'm going to ask you, this is our custom at Grace, if you'll stand and hear the reading of the Lord, and then uh, you can settle in and get comfortable, comfortable after that. So Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with good godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. The word of God for the people of God. Peace be to God. All right, you may be seated. Well, as I mentioned, introductions. So we're introducing the book. Hopefully you've learned a little bit about the context of the book of Titus, the occasion of why it was written. Even hopefully you understand the purpose as to why Titus was written. But there's still some introductions to be made in verses 1 through 3. We're going to be introduced first to Paul. Introductions matter. I don't know. How do you introduce yourself? Maybe for some of you moms, especially, you're so-and-so's mom. I was just talking to someone about that this week. They don't even, they don't even introduce their name anymore. They're just known as so-and-so's mom. Maybe you're so-and-so's spouse or dad. I grew up in Alabama. You introduce yourself. You say, uh, my name is Ricky. Uh, roll Tide. You know that you're an Alabama fan. You say, my name is, uh, not Ricky, another name, War Eagle. So you, you just state what team you pull for. Uh, different introductions. We have different things we say. Sometimes it goes by your context of where you are. Maybe you're like Johnny Cash. You just say hello, and you state your name. I will not do my Johnny Cash impersonation. Pastor Brad would. He's great at impersonations if he were up here, but I can't, I can't do it. Paul, he tells us what he wants us to know right off the bat when he begins his letter to Titus. He wants us to know that he is the author of this letter. So Paul, of course, is writing this letter, but Paul doesn't stop there. This introduction is quite something. Only the book of Romans has a longer introduction. And then you have Galatians that's a distant third behind the book of Titus. This is quite an introduction. And I'm going to tell you, our introduction to Titus today, verses 1 through 4, is mostly going to be about Paul. Why? Because these verses are mostly about Paul. If you look at verses 1 through 4, that's the separation between Paul and Titus, their names in this book. Paul, he states his name, and he gives us a ton of information. And Paul tells us his identity, he tells us his purpose, his motivation, and he tells us his mission. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're looking at Titus 1, 1 through 4, we're going to see Paul's identity in the first part of verse 1. And then in the second part of verse 1, we're going to see Paul's purpose. In verse 2, we're going to see his motivation. And in verses 3 and 4, we're going to see his mission. And this is going to be on the screen as we, as we go through. So let's jump in. Let's learn about the man who wrote this letter to Titus. Beginning with Titus chapter 1, here verse 1 again. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Paul wants his readers to have no question about who wrote this letter. And he wants the readers also to have no question about who Paul is, about who Paul is for, about who Paul represents. He wanted the hearers, the readers to know what Paul was about. So Paul introduces himself as a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I tell you, I've introduced myself many times. Never before have I included servant in my introduction. But for Paul, we'll see, this is pretty common. 
Clearly, Paul, he's not ashamed to call himself a servant of God. Let me ask you, just think about it. With, what, with which title do you most self-identify? What is it? Something to ponder and think about it. What is it that you put at the top of your list whenever you introduce yourself? Paul could have put a lot of better things at the top of his list, or at least more appealing to the world, than servant. I mean, Paul, he could have introduced himself as a church planner, as a missionary. He could have introduced himself as a Roman citizen. He could have said, my name's Paul, I'm, I'm a scholar. Paul could have said a lot of really neat things, but Paul introduces himself identifying as a slave of God, someone who was bought, someone who was paid for by the blood of God's son, Jesus. That was Paul's identity. That's his choice. If you want to know who Paul is first, he is a slave of God. He doesn't want you to doubt it or question it. John MacArthur, he wrote, Paul was in complete but willing bondage to God. He had no life that he called his own, no will of his own, purpose of his own, or plan of his own. All was subject to his Lord. Whenever we read this, we see Paul's humility. And no doubt, Paul, he wanted this to serve as an example to Titus. And I believe that Paul, too, wants us to serve as an example to everyone else who would be reading this letter, of which the Lord kept it in the canon of Scripture so that we can hear it today. And we can see Paul's example of humility. Slave of God. Paul was confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus. You've read it, Acts chapter 9. It's the same chapter that God appears to Ananias and he makes his plans for Paul known to Ananias that Paul is God's chosen instrument to carry his name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. Paul knew he belonged to God. Bought for, paid for, God's chosen instrument for whatever he wanted, namely to carry his name before the people. If you're here this morning, and you have been saved by God, then you too have been bought by the blood of Jesus. You too are owned by God. You have been saved from your sin for God's purposes. Your life no longer isn't your, isn't your own, and that's a good thing. Your plans, well, now God's plans are your plans. God's accomplishments are now your accomplishment. His purposes are now your purposes. Some of you may hear that, though, and you may say, hold up, now, that, that doesn't seem too fair. I mean, we, I mean, you lose your autonomy completely? Yes. 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 You do lose your autonomy. And you're correct in saying it's not fair, if we're judging by our definition of fair, because in order for us to become 110% gods, he had to come to us, because heaven knows we had no way of getting to him. No hope. But his son, Jesus, who was perfect, he came to us and he paid the penalty for our sins, the punishment that you and I deserve, all the bad that you have ever done, all the bad that you will ever do. Jesus paid for that sin. Yeah, it may not seem fair, but Jesus loves you so much that he did that so that there could be a way for you to be his Thank you, Lord, for doing what might not seem fair. I love it. We, as children of God, get to be his. We get to identify with Paul. We get to say that we are slaves of God. I would have it no other way. Only those who are so low 
and know that they will never eternally amount to anything on their own are privileged to identify, identify with Paul in this title, servant of God. Jesus came down to meet the lowly. God raises up the lowly, and I'm not just being figurative. It is so good to be a servant of God. Well, Paul doesn't just identify as a servant of God. Paul also tells us that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Both titles, servant, apostle, they both bear authority as the one coming who's doing the work of God. My oldest son, whenever my daughter comes and tells him that she wants breakfast in the morning, he doesn't have to make breakfast for her. But whenever she comes to him and Andy tells Hudson, uh, daddy said to make breakfast for me, he has to say, what cereal would you like? Because he's carrying the message from daddy. He should say it. He doesn't always say it. I'll be real. He should, because he's carrying the message. Both of these titles bear authority because they're carrying a message from God. While we share with Paul in the title of servant of God, it stops there. We don't share in the title of apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle is someone, that title is reserved for someone who is commissioned by Jesus himself. And remember, Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and was commissioned ministry. We've met Paul. He's a servant of God. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. So now let's look at the second part of verse one. We know Paul's identity, so now let's, let's see what Paul's purpose is in ministry. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. Wow. Now, if we were to just look at the whole four verses, these things are packed full. I mean, Paul, he knew how to write a sentence. I don't think I've ever said as productive of a sentence as Paul gives us right here. I wonder how Paul, how concise and thorough his answer was when his wife asked him how his day went. Just bam, if he was married. We don't know if Paul was married. That's not the point. Some people think he was. Some people says, says he wasn't. There's scriptural evidence people make for both. That's not the point here. The point is this here. Paul packs a punch, and he tells us in these four verses with one sentence, some incredible truth. And he sums up his purpose really well in these few words. Paul, we know he's a slave of God. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. What for? For the purpose of the faith of the elect, of God's elect, those who have been chosen to be saved by God based on God's purpose for God's desire to show grace to undeserving sinners, of which we all are. We don't, we don't know who is part of God's elect and who is not, and neither did Paul. But Paul knew that salvation comes through faith, by grace through faith. Therefore, Paul's purpose, it was for the faith of the elect so that God's people, that they would hear, so that they would believe, and so that they would be saved. And Paul, as he went about preaching, he knew that his labor would not be in vain. He knew that, and he knew as he preached that God's people would be brought to faith. That's how God brings about people to faith, through the hearing of the word. And he knew for God's people to be saved, they needed to hear. And his purpose was for the faith of the elect. Whoever they were, God knew that they would hear, that they would believe, and that they would be saved. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.10, he says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, this doctrine of election does not mean that God is, is unfair, as if he could be and still be God. No, the doctrine of election does not also mean that there's no reason to evangelize. If so, then Paul completely missed the memo here. No, 
Paul says in Romans 10, 13 through 14, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Paul's purpose was that the people of God would come to faith in God and grow in the knowledge of God and become more and more like God in how they related to one another and to the world. Aren't you glad that someone also shared in Paul's purpose? And that they wanted to you to hear the word of God. They wanted, to you to, they wanted you to come to faith in God. They wanted you to hear the word of God and to grow in the truth and the knowledge of God. Aren't you glad for who you are becoming and who you one day will be because the grace of God? Thank God that his children are chosen and they are led to faith in God by his chosen instruments. Paul was a chosen instrument to preach the word of God so that his people would believe. No doubt, Paul here, he's wanting Titus to pick up on this purpose. They share the purpose. And I believe we too can share in this purpose and should with Paul. That we have a heart for the elect to come to faith. And we proclaim it so that they too can know the truth and that they can grow in godliness. Verse two. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. We know Paul's identity. We know his purpose. His purpose is for the faith of the elect and the knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. But why is that? It's because. His motivation is because. The hope he has in eternal life. Why? Because of the hope he has in eternal life. You see, Paul knows, Titus, you're going to need a motivation. You're going to need a motivation because life is hard. Sharing the good news of the gospel with everyone, it's not going to make you popular. Calling out the false teaching and standing up for the truth is going to put a target on your back, Titus. You need a motivation. Paul's saying, this is my motivation. I think Paul has packed this introduction with such richness so that Titus would be reminded of the who, the what, the why, and the how of the ministries that he and Paul share. The who is God's elect, the what is the purpose of faith leading to godliness, and the why, it's the motivation and the hope of eternal life. Titus, you've got to know why. Guys, you've got to know why. Why is it that we do what we do and endure hardships you don't have to read the whole New Testament to start to get an idea that Paul faced a lot of challenges in his ministry. And as we read Titus, we're going to see Titus already did too in establishing churches in Crete. And I'm willing to bet that you have some challenges as well. Why is the motivation for the hope of eternal life? That's why. Now, it's important to know here that Paul, he isn't just hoping that there is eternal life. Biblically, whenever you see the word hope, it's, it's certain. It's certainty. Paul is saying, Titus, you can bank on eternal life. That's why I do what I do. That's why you can do what you do. God, that's why we do what we do, because we bank on eternal life. And why can we bank on eternal life? Paul says, oh yeah, because God never lies. 
That's why. Because God never lies. And this is something he's promised from before time. So I want you to hear me if you're a child of God. Before time, God chose you to be with him forever. That was the plan. It still is the plan. Even though there is sin, sickness, and death, nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. It can be hard to discern the truth today. You don't know what to believe or not to believe. And I don't have to tell you the reasons why. But I can tell you, 2,000 years ago in Crete, the situation was a lot the same. People then, people now. Not a surprise, not much has changed, which Pastor Brad will be preaching on in the coming verses. People lie. And that's why Paul says we have to protect the doctrine of the church. There have always been liars. There always will be liars. But Paul is saying what I'm telling you comes from God. It is the message of the grace of God. And God does not lie. I've broken promises. I know I have. There are few promises I can keep because there, there are very few things, if, if any, that I have absolute control over. Therefore, my children know that I will let them down. I already have. I'm sure you have too. But God will not let his children down. Paul is saying before the ages began, God promised eternal life for his children. You can take it to the bank because God never lies important. Well, I hope that you feel like you know Paul a little more now. He's got a little more to say. We know his purpose. We know his motivation. Now he's going to tell us how he goes about accomplishing his purpose. What's the how? What's his mission? Here is the how of how Paul goes about accomplishing his purpose. And he wants Titus to do the same. Verse three, and at the proper time manifested in his word the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Paul, he's striving for the faith of the elect and their knowledge of faith that accords with godliness by preaching the message of Jesus, the message that the grace of God has appeared to give salvation for all people, bringing salvation for all people. Paul saying, I'm a preacher. I was called to preach, commanded by God, for the faith of God's elect, so that all who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how Paul was fulfilling his purpose. And he did it because of his certainty in eternal life. Paul knew that the message had to be proclaimed. He knew that the message had to be protected so that the truth could be known and so that the people could live godly lives. The preaching of God's word. Verse four, to Titus. My true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. Paul was a Jew. Titus was a Greek. But they shared a common faith. His message was for all. God was their father. Jesus was their savior. They shared a common faith the same one that we share today, they shared then, and they share it with us, a common faith. I love it. We get a taste of eternity to come. Different nationalities, one God. Different ages, one God. Different millenniums, one God. I love it. Paul believed the message of Jesus, 
So Paul proclaimed the message of Jesus, and he protected the message of Jesus. And this common faith that Paul speaks of, it hasn't changed. The message hasn't changed, neither has the method changed. Titus's role, like Paul's, it was to be an instrument of promoting faith and protecting the message of Jesus so that the people could be led to live godly lives on the island of Crete. Paul's letters, they apply to us today. Titus applies to us today. You might not be a preacher, but no matter your sphere of influence, we too should share in Paul's purpose, in his motivation, and in his mission. The message makes all the difference. Protect the message. Whatever your influence, proclaim the message so that people can hear the message and they can believe the message and then they can live out the message. The message makes all the difference. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son to save us. Sinners separated from you, yet you have loved us. And Lord, let us not withhold this good news that we have. Lord, let us not keep it for ourselves, but let us boldly proclaim so that all who hear, Lord, may believe. Lord, we thank you for sending someone who shared that message with us. Lord, give us the courage to do the same with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.